0: Hello and welcome to the Ethic Glitter Podcast, the podcast that is centered around highlighting women of color in the world of graphic design, brand design, and marketing strategy. I am your host Ashley of A Louise Creative, and today I have the honor of having Miss Nick Hill, Hill, right? Yes. Ow, what I can read as a guest with us. A- Nick, just for full disclosure her name is spelled h-y-l so i'm making sure that i pronounce that right but all right nick is the founder and creative director of new york's newest emerging swimwear and clothing and lifestyle brands nick hill so it's name her name brand so it's, it's all one thing But get that logo right currently Nick is working on uh, size inclusive styles and modest swimwear for women of all sizes um, to see themselves represented in swimwear in their swimwear and lifestyle garment choices Um, so Nick tell us about your business tell us about how awesome you are tell us let us know who you are where we can find you like what do we need to know about Miss Nick Hill
1: thank you for having me Ashley thank you for such a great introduction hi everybody I'm Nick Hill um and um, yeah, I, I I love clothes. I started working in New York City's fashion industry about uh, ten years ago. I think I've been in New York for ten years now, and um, I kind of fell into fashion very organically. Um, I've always been that girl that loved clothes, and just figured I'd have any other job and just like you know be Olivia Pope or something, and just dress really. Nice. Um, <laughs> But then, um, the older I got and the the further I got through school, I I realized that a more traditional career didn't really suit me. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually have a degree in psychology. (gasps) Really? Yeah. Hey. I thought I was going to be a forensic psychologist, and I had like planned to go to graduate school for psychology and you know, I thought I was going to like, I don't know, mentally change the world or something um, because I really love to help people. And um, the more I pursued that education, the more I realized that while I enjoy helping people, I just didn't really have the, the, the amount of heart to bear the other people's burdens mm-hmm. the way that that job would require, because mm-hmm. it takes a toll you know, to be a therapist or to be a a forensic psychologist or whatever I thought I was gonna be. Um, So my mom suggested that I I work in fashion and I ended up going back to school and getting a degree in fashion design. Um, And I kind of blossomed once I, I did that. Like it just, it made so much sense that it was just like unbelievable that I ever thought that I could be anything else. Um, and after I graduated from design school, I ended up getting a job in New York city with a amazing designer. And I learned a lot about how to make clothes properly Mm -hmm. from her. Um, and she's a smaller designer. So it was cool because I was learning, I was her apprentice Okay. uh, and I was learning from her, you know, directly, like she was teaching me, um, things that she did and how she got to where she is. And, He's not like, people in fashion are aware of her, but she if if you're not like into fashion, you might not know who she is, but um, she's highly respected within the industry and working for her really gave me my um, break, I guess, or like my opportunity. Mm -hmm. And then um, after I stopped working for her, she she let me go actually like a year later. And after I stopped working for her, I moved on to a, a much larger brand and learned how to do um, a more global aspect of building a brand. Um, So that was was really helpful in all of my getting to me to where I am today. And at the time I knew I wanted to start my own business and I knew I wanted my own brand, but I didn't know exactly what that looked like. So Mm -hmm. all the while I'm learning from these people and I'm just taking pages from their playbook and putting them into my own playbook to use later on in life. Um, okay. And then eventually I, I ended up leaving that second job and starting my own brand. Okay. And here we are. And it so, makes sense because I'm from Florida, you know, so, um, and my family's from Jamaica. So swimwear is something that's just- Natural for you. Very natural.
0: Very natural. Um, so um, do you design? the clothes like you actually like sketch them out and come up with like how it's supposed to actually come together and like all of that that's pretty cool like I learned how to sell from my grandma and my daddy believe it or not and so that's I do have some concept of like construction and so I find it interesting to meet people who actively do this you know like all the time like this is what I do I, I make it happen and it's like okay, oh, that's so
1: cool okay yeah. Um, and and I think you know in today's day and age with fast fashion and you know not to like put anybody else down, um, but there's a lot of people who you know call themselves designers and and I don't think that they are. Um, you know I, I know what I had to go through to lo- to learn the skills that I have and I don't think that some of the things that some people do um, are in honor of that tradition. Yeah. Um, or, you know, um, I, I don't agree with fast fashion um, mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons. But you know, I, I make my pieces. I design. I sketch. I make my patterns. I make some of my samples. Um, I have a sample sewer that makes others of them. I make what I can in New York. I make sure that the the people who are working on my pieces are getting paid properly, um, and it's not like a sweatshop situation. Um, and it's just, you know, I, I I'm against fast fashion. Um, okay.
0: I feel that though, because um in my particular industry, you know, graphic design, everybody's a graphic designer now. Everybody wanna right. everybody so can to do it. I got Canva. That. And you'd be like, no, no, no. There there are tiers to this, there's levels to this. And and and, and, and no, no. I have no, a no, no. Canva account too. <laughs> hey, I I don't hate on Canva. Canva is great when you, number one, you can't afford a designer to do something for you, or if you need something fast and you need it like right now and you can't wait on somebody to get it for you, or if you have a designer set up the templates for you, you know what I mean? And like, you you can just, you know, throw your pictures in there and they just make sure that your brand story looks fine. I don't hate on Canva at all. It's those people who say, yeah, I'm a designer, but I only use Canva. Nope you are not <laughs>
1: and Then the people that like kind of turn around and build their business on that right
0: yeah like
1: and then turn around and sell those services and then at the end of the day you have someone who doesn't understand the difference between the canva designer and a real graphic designer and they deal with the canva designer and they right. think that that's how all graphic designers are
0: right so right? i feel you on that because it's like that's uh-uh, not the same thing
1: or like someone who's putting logos on t-shirts i'm sorry you're not a designer like and that's no shade like do your thing make your coin get your money right. But at the end of the day there is a difference between what we're each doing
0: yeah and please don't take this as, as being elitists no low-key yeah, no 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 we're not elitists, but there are <laughs> levels to this there's, there's certain levels. things you have to do to get right. to that you don't say like they're different levels that's so With that, even though the podcast is centered around like marketing design, graphic design, this kind of falls into that because you are a woman of color in fashion industry. And the fashion industry is traditionally very Eurocentric just because of the way that capitalism is. So like, how do you feel about the representation of women in color in your particular industry? And like, how can we gain more exposure as respected members of the community?
1: Such a good question. Um, how do I feel about women of color in my industry? I definitely don't think it's such a double-edged sword because we mm-hmm. we're all aware that you know pop culture and the world around us loves to steal black culture, mm-hmm. and, um, it's it's so. I don't even know the right word to say because when you're work, when like I've worked for major brands and when you're in those design meetings and you're in those spaces, everyone's finger is on the pulse of what's happening, right? Did you Mm -hmm. see this? Did you see everybody's aware of of what's what's going on in current events in, you know, the city, on the streets and news, like you pay attention to that. Mm -hmm. So people are aware of black culture and they're fine with black culture in as much as a way that they can profit from it, uh-huh. but they're, they're not necessarily okay with black people. Right. And and I think we, especially with like the events that have taken place in 2020, I think that we've all, especially black people uh-huh. um, have, 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 this is what's happening and it's not okay. Uh-huh. Um, You really just, there's not a lot of black women in fashion, in the fashion industry, especially in design. Mm -hmm. Um, You might have more black women in like, if you're talking about a corporate job working within planning or merchandising or as buyers, Um, but you don't really see a ton of black women in design or technical design. Right. my corporate background was in production and in, um, which is how I learned how to make clothes gloat like in a mass way. Right. there In my specific team, we had black women. My team was probably the only team that had the amount of black women that it did, which was four, including mm-hmm. myself. So in, uh, on a team of maybe 12 people, so 30%. Oh, wow. Um, but it was the only team that had that many black women on it in the building, right? So, <laughs> so if there were four women on the team, there might've been eight black women in the building, right? For Or within our category of product that we were working on. Mm-hmm. Um, so not a ton. And I think that the company suffers when black people aren't properly represented. I think the product suffers when Black people aren't properly represented. And I think that the customer ultimately suffers when Black people aren't properly represented. And what that looks like is, it hasn't happened recently, but back in like 2018, 2017, there was um, you know, Burberry with their noose hoodie or Gucci, oh, yeah. Gucci with their blackface turtleneck. I remember that, that or was terrible. Or with their monkey keychains, you know, like, or H&M with their whatever derogatory t-shirt they had the little boy wearing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and that's, that's the best way to exemplify what it looks like when right. black people aren't properly represented in fashion. And when it's too Eurocentric, there's no one to say, hey guys, um, this might not be (laughs) (laughs) a good idea. idea. We might not want to put a noose on a hoodie. Like that's that's what not having Black people at the table in any department gets you, right? So to me, when I see stuff like that, that means that there wasn't a Black person in the marketing room. Mm -hmm. There wasn't Black people in the design room. There wasn't Black people in any of the creative spaces. And I'd go out on a limb and say, people of color because i'd like to think that if there was an indigenous person or an eastern asian person or a southern asian person someone not white i think Mm -hmm. would have picked up on that even if it wasn't their offensive to their race but the fact that it went through and these are major corporations so the fact that something like that would go through a major corporation and go through the checks and balances that they have and no one noticed it, no one stopped it, that means that there's not just no Black people, there probably aren't any people of color, color at, at all, all um, yeah. which is a problem. And and that's the the effect of not having representation in fashion and that's why it's so important. Not Again, not just for the brand, but for the consumer, for the, the mm-hmm. product for the integrity of all of that because now they have to turn around and backpedal and apologize and you know send out all these things and just damage lose control. control right mm-hmm. you know because they 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 didn't they didn't know how to cross their t's and dot their eyes and and have an appropriate team helping them to build their 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 product and their their image for that particular campaign
0: yeah so that actually that brings me to the next question though is um, you, is this a full-time for you, your business? Is it full-time or is it a side gig or is it like transitioning into um, becoming full-time? Like which category do you kind of fall into?
1: I work on it full-time, but it is very slow to start because I am, I'm independent. So I fund everything Everything. myself. Um, So because of that, it's slower to start than if I had like an investor or, you know, backers or something like that. So um, I can only move as quickly as I can make, you know, funds to keep moving. And cool. you know, with something like COVID happening, um, it it definitely
0: Changed put a, a lot.
1: put a, a, a wrench in the a lot of my plans. But luckily, you know, we can pivot and we can we can sidestep and we can come up with new ways to to be
0: to adjust to adjust so with that because you did you brought up the fact that covid so this is now this is january 2021 at the time of this recording right and we've been dealing with covid for almost a year now like we're 60 days out from a year of everything being shut down so like what are some of the ways that you've been able to pivot so that you can continue to move forward in your business
1: um, I actually started writing an online course about product development and production
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, because one of the questions that I get asked all the time, you know, they see this black girl with a brand and the first question is, oh, how do you do that? And then, you know, the second question is, well, how can I do that? Right. Um, and a lot of people are always trying to pick my brain
0: mm-hmm. and get
1: the knowledge that I own Um, but it happens enough to where I thought, well, why is that, you know, why they're not asking me about how to be a designer. They're asking me about producing their product. You know, Mm -hmm. how do I do that? Um, and as I did a little bit of research, I see that it's not a subject matter that's readily available. Mm -hmm. And there's really only one school that I can find that teaches the information Mm-hmm. Um, so I started writing a course, which will be available later this spring, 2021, um, where people can sign up for the course, they can download the course and they can learn, you know, product development and production, um, from beginning to end, uh, so that they can manage the production of their own products. Um, Another thing that I started doing was just really working on understanding my customer, understanding what my customer is going through right now, um, working on patterns, working on that that back-end creative part Mm -hmm. that sometimes I don't have the time to do. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, (laughs) That's a whole job. (laughs) That's that's a a whole whole
1: job. job. Whole job. Um, So just kind of like doing those things, you know. Um, Who's customer has she changed? How has COVID changed my customer? Am I making pieces that are still suitable to her lifestyle, or does she need different types of pieces now with with COVID around?
0: Because of COVID, we had to pivot, right? Like business had to pivot, and instead of just doing swimwear, you had you were you you, you found it most advantageous to incorporate. Um, regular everyday pieces into your line because you know women in swimwear wasn't necessarily a big thing at the time but then you realize dude, if you're gonna wear a bathing suit you're gonna wear bathing suit whether it's to the bathtub to the swim pools if I want to buy it and I think it's cute and I got the money I'm gonna buy it because I think it's cute and I got the money so with that you did already tell me that um you you went to school for fashion design and you ended up specializing in construction and production correct so what helped you when honing in on your niche of your particular brand like you you specialize in swimwear but you do have knowledge in all of these other facets of fashion you know fashion design and fashion industry because you told me that you're also into like the marketing design side of it as well so what what helped you hone in on that particular that little that little niche of like swimwear and I guess you could say it's leisure because you don't necessarily go swimming, you know, unless you're an athlete, you don't go swimming because you got to get it together. You go swimming because you want to, because you feel like it. So how, how did you get into that?
1: Um, I actually took a page out of that, that first designer that I worked for. I kind of just took a page out of her playbook um, and that was how she started her brand. You know, she's an independent designer. She owns her business. She's been very successful. Um, She makes beautiful pieces and she started her business with swimwear and it just made sense. Um, A lot of people think that swimwear is, it's easy, but it's extremely difficult. Um, So it's easy because if you're just starting out and you're, you're limited with funds for what you can put into your business, Swimwear is obviously smaller, right? So I don't have to, well, I used to be naive and think that I don't have to spend as much on fabric, but I know better now. Um, Swimwear fabric can be quite expensive. Good swimwear fabric can be expensive, but um, it, it uses less of it. So even if it's super expensive, I still might be able to get two or three pieces out of a yard of fabric making a swimsuit than I would if I was making a blouse or a pair of pants or you know another garment that has a larger consumption. Um, so it, it's, it, I, it, it's good for that, um, but it's also extremely technical because if your pattern has to be so exacting in swimwear in order to get a really good fit and, if you don't have your fit perfect, then the swimwear will never fit properly. Um, But that really sets you up for clothing in general, because now once you start making clothes, your clothes should fit beautifully because you have an understanding of, you know, the female form of pattern making and of proper technical design. So I I started it because she did and I thought that it, you know, she started her business that way. And I thought that it would make sense to start my business that way too. Um, It it was kind of just like, it just made sense. The more I went down that rabbit hole, and I realized, wait a second, this is like kind of authentic to me, you know, like, I am from Florida and my family is Jamaican and I, I did grow up in the sun and I do own 6 million swimsuits before I became a swimsuit designer. Like it, it just kind of made sense when I really thought about it. Um, and that was how I discovered my niche was kind of backwards accidentally.
0: Okay. I know this can be kind of distracting. Just want to let the listeners know I have a toddler who's like climbing all over me. So if it seems like she's laughing in the midst of her sentence, it's because she's trying to pull my earrings out of my head. So, and I, and I I say things like this specifically because I'm a mompreneur too. So like part of my brand is that I am a mom and I work all day and I work at home and my kids are in my face. So (laughs) I try to keep things as authentic as possible. It's
1: important to let people know that for sure. Yeah. It's like, yeah,
0: we're recording a podcast, but uh, life is still happening in the living room because we got virtual schools going on right now, you know? So, um, so how would you describe your style? Like, I know, um, in the bio that you sent me, you said that, um, that you do in modest swimwear, so it's not like extra super cleavage and not super, super sexy, but like, how would you describe your style when it comes to designing something like that? Or even if someone were to commission you for like a, a one off piece or a bespoke piece, like, how would you describe your style? Um, so
1: I started with traditional swimwear and when I say traditional, I mean women size small through extra large, um, and they, they're sexy. They're, they're definitely not, um, I wouldn't call them modest when I say modest swimwear. I'm, I'm literally creating swimwear for Muslim women where they wear modest swimwear, um, So, which is completely different than what most women um, are gonna wear to a pool. Yeah, you just led
0: into a whole nother topic. We gotta get into that, go
1: ahead. (laughs) When Muslim women are going to the pool, they're wearing um, traditionally uh, a turban, a long sleeve um, tunic that isn't too, too tight with leggings. Um, The tunic usually goes down past their butt um, the leggings, um, you know, of course, extend from the waist down to the ankle. Um, and oftentimes, she's wearing a one piece under that as well. So she has on four pieces, the turban, the tunic, the one piece, and the leggings. Um,
0: that sounds hot. It is. And that's just from my, you know, not, you know, non-Muslim background of not knowing, you know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm assuming that Fabric choice is like really important because it's
1: the fabric that your bikini or your one piece
0: is made out of. It has to
1: be because she's going in the water. Oh man. Wow. Right.
0: Oh yeah. We got to talk about that. You got to come back another day. We got, we got to get into that for real.
1: I will say though, that, um, the Muslim women that have been so gracious to educate me on their, their lifestyle um, they're literally putting it on to take their kids into the pool, take their kids into the ocean, and they change the second they're out of the water. Like they're not, they're not staying in that. They go to whatever you know, clubhouse, pool house, changing area, wherever they can go. They dry off, they change out of that that item, and they put on regular, like, you know, top and jeans, everyday wear, whatever they would normally wear. Got
0: gotcha.
1: um, so wear. A lot of women, when we go to the beach or pool, we go in we go on the beach or the pool multiple times, right? So right. We'll, we'll, we'll be sitting there with our kids or our family. We'll get hot. We'll go in the water. We'll come out. We'll put a towel or a wrap on, still with our swimsuit on. But we sit down in that wet swimsuit and then it probably dries. And maybe we have a, a, a drink, a cocktail, something to eat. Then we go back in the water and we do that multiple times throughout our day the the Muslim woman she's doing it from what I understand just the one time she's gonna take her kids in that water they're gonna play in the water for as long as they're gonna play and then when they're done she's she's changing she's not staying in it so her comfort discomfort is minimal because once you, when you're in the water it doesn't really feel like much you know it, it because the water kind of floats it away from your skin. Um, it's more when you're out of the water walking from the water to the changing area where she would feel um, any annoyance I guess from the fabric but it's the same yeah it's the same fabric it has to be because she's going in water so you know it needs to be able to do all the things that you want fabric to do in water
0: Gotcha. Wow. Like, that's a whole nother dimension of I didn't even know it went that deep because I mean, honestly, like even with graphic design, web design, I need to know who I'm designing it for and how it's going to be used in order for it to be effective. You know what I mean? Like in the instance that, you know, if it's presented to somebody who's in your audience, I need to know that they're going to read it and receive it to make sure that it works. So that's kind of like the same thing. It's like knowing that, you know, because of their beliefs and their lifestyle. This and this gotta be covered up, period. You know what I'm saying? Yep. No matter what we do, this and this have got to be covered. So how is this piece going to be functional in their lifestyle? You know what I mean? So that they'll find this useful to purchase. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Because my place. goal
1: as a as a brand owner, um, with with my business is to make women feel beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I don't discriminate about that. Like whoever identifies as a woman is who I want to make feel beautiful. And Mm -hmm. if she's Muslim, if she's not, if she likes to wear a thong bikini, whatever her desire is, I want to make swimwear or clothing for her that she's going to
0: feel beautiful. That's Um, great. Like, I love the inclusion in that. Like, that honestly just touched me. (laughs) Like, I didn't even think it would, but it's like, wow. Like, that's pretty, like, not even as deep. Like, that's that's pretty cool, like, to even have that, to go in that direction. Like,
1: yeah, it's just, I just want to make women feel beautiful. And it happened organically, like, when I was doing, obviously pre-COVID, but mm-hmm. when I was doing my pop-ups around New York City, and I'd bump into Muslim women, um, you know, when, when you're a swimwear designer and you're selling your product face-to-face to the public, women stop you, especially in New York, and they tell you everything that is wrong with swimwear. And, <laughs> you know, it, it was, but it was the best focus group. It was the best right. way to gain information and insight onto what, you know, people who were my potential customers felt like the industry was missing and they weren't, you know, addressing, or, you know, people weren't speaking to them. Right. Um, so as it, you know, got to, you know, be with Muslim women, it, w- it was no different. You know, when you have someone standing in front of you crying because there's no choices that mm-hmm. she feels like, you know, if she's a 17 year old Muslim girl, I don't what is she to do brown. to go to the pool? Well, not even that, like the problem that you get is not just bad color choice, but the people who are making stuff for her are probably only talking to her m- mom or her grandmother but not to her so like you know she's 17 so fine the stuff that's out there might make sense for her mom or her grandmother but what about for her um and and that happened a lot you know and I wouldn't say that 17 is my target age but I think my pieces are cute enough that if the right 17 year old stumbled upon them Mm -hmm. um she'd like them okay
0: I like that. I said, ooh, you gotta talk after this. I like that,
1: yes. Um, And then you asked something else um, about bespoke pieces. Yeah. Um, I don't do custom. Um, I I find that it's just a huge work driver that I don't have the bandwidth to manage. Um, And the few times that I have done it, i find that people think it's a magic wand almost (laughs)
0: yes
1: (laughs) you know what i mean it's just like they they take the opportunity to make themselves the designer and me like the the do girl of their their creation
0: Uh um
1: and it, it it's it usually doesn't work so well um because you know maybe they're not thinking about how they get into the garment so they're not looking at like it has to be functional you know like oh i probably do need a zipper
0: yeah um, so <laughs> i did um i did uh, prom dresses one year and i found that that was a nightmare i wasn't willing to to sleep or dream or live out again because i'm sorry but teenagers and prom are a nightmare like it's just like i'm i'm never gonna do it again This year, FTheGlitter.com is also the home of the ETG Creatives, a directory of professional, vetted, and experienced women of color who are graphic designers, brand designers, web designers, illustrators, publicists, copywriters, and other creative professionals. If you're looking to get listed on a trusted platform, or if you're looking to hire a woman of color creative with a proven track record, then you need to go to www.ftheglitter.com for more information. That is E-F-F-T-H-E-G-L-I-T-T-E-R.com. But anyway, so now we have gotten to the fun part. The fun part so this is the part like i said uh f the glitter is supposed to be a directory for people to be able to find creatives in our various fields um, so that they can find us we're vetted we're seasoned so when you come to f the glitter you know you can see these people on this directory and you don't have to worry if they're going to ghost you or you don't have to worry if you know if i'm not going to be able to find what i'm looking for because you know this girl's brand new no these are seasoned vetted professionals that are on this directory but part of it is we got to get to know who you are so I call this the fun part because I get to ask you random questions that you totally were not prepared for that weren't on the outline and I get candid answers. So with that, do you participate in spirits and libations? Absolutely. What is your favorite one?
1: My favorite wine?
0: Your favorite Uh, one. What is your favorite drink?
1: My favorite drink, Um, if it's liquor, I really enjoy rum and Coke with a splash of fresh lime juice. Okay. Um, If it's wine, I enjoy red wine. Usually like um, a Syrah or a Shiraz or
0: a Pinot Noir. You like them dry, 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 dry. Ooh, Lord, I can't do it. Not all of them are
1: dry. Some of them can be a little bit more robust and fruity in flavor. some you of have- them are super dry. If they're too dry. I, they're probably not my friend. Um, but they're not all crazy dry.
0: Do you have any like brands that you would recommend then, when it comes to that? Because every Shiraz and every Pinot Noir I've come oh. across was very, very bitter and very, very unpleasant. And I keep trying to give it a try, and I end up with a stomachache. But I like them sweet or or flavorful. So like, what would you suggest?
1: No, if this is like readily available everywhere, if this is just where I am, and it's not like a fancy wine or anything, mm-hmm. um, but there's a brand called Nineteen Crimes, I believe. Like Crimes,
0: Nineteen Crimes. I'm gonna look that up.
1: um And they have a really good um Pinot Noir.
0: Okay, we're gonna have to check that out. Nineteen Crimes. I think I saw that somewhere. I don't think you can find it like down here in the South. They have liquor in the grocery store. Like liquor, liquor in the grocery store. I'm from D.C. And in D.C., liquor is not in the grocery store. You got beer and wine in the grocery store. But if you want liquor, you got to go to the liquor store. But down here, we got Crown Royal at Walmart. Like, it's crazy. Yeah,
1: I used to live in Atlanta and that was crazy. I was yeah. like, oh, okay.
0: <laughs> but oh, so we just... We, hey, public. <laughs> all right. Just pick it up on the way to get my right. Rotel dip. All right. Great. So yeah. that it was total culture shock for me like i was like oh it's right here oh okay excuse me but then down here we got drive-through daiquiri shops now here's the question and it's funny because my husband is a law enforcement he brought this up he's like so we got drive-through daiquiri shops and you're not supposed to drink and drive but they give you the daiquiri in an unmarked cup and you're not supposed to drink with an open container right because if you get you know stopped with an open container you get pulled over you go to jail right But they put a piece of tape over the straw and that counts as a container being sealed. But also you don't want your daiquiri getting melted. Like what kind of nonsense is this? You gotta be kidding me.
1: Not on them. You can't sue them anymore. Right.
0: Like what? (laughs) So the next question is, um, we've been quarantined for shit, almost a year now. Like, well, not really quarantine. Like, we were on punishment for like two months. And then they were like, okay, well, you can go outside, but you can't go to your friend's house. Like, it was like, it was really weird. <laughs> so, what kind of self care have you been um, partaking in in order to keep yourself yourself during this time?
1: Love this question. Um, I,
0: I'm really good with
1: self care in general, um, even before COVID. So I think. I think the thing that this has allowed me has just been to like have more of a, the schedule I want with it and the frequency because like I like to do some things every seven days, but you know before COVID maybe it was like eight days or six days because you know I had to work with when I had a free day to do something. Um, but I've I'm, I've always been on top of my self care game. Like I'm a major skincare junkie. I love taking care of skincare. Um, so I do, you know, my, my at home microdermabrasions and my facials and, you know, I do, my nails aren't done now, but like I I do my manicures at home and my pedicures at home. And, um, I haven't missed a beat. Like I literally, I had braids in my hair up until yesterday. I literally just took braids out of my hair. Um, and when we get off the phone or get off the the interview, I'm going to go do a deep conditioner, um, to help just you know replenish my afro. Um, but I I I think especially for entrepreneurs and you know business owners, it's really important that we take care of ourself. Um, especially if you're the face of your brand. You know, you can't, you know, you you can't afford to not take care of yourself and treat yourself as a, a piece of the the product that you're selling. Um, because in the beginning, before anyone knows your brand, they're going to build trust based on the way that you present yourself. And if you're not presenting yourself the best way that you can, why would they have faith in the product that you're making? Right. So if I'm calling myself a fashion designer, I can't run around looking a hot mess, you know, you know, and it doesn't mean that I'm wearing prom dresses everywhere I go. But it does mean that I'm clean. I, I, I look kept, I, you know, my face is washed. If, if I don't have my nails painted, at least they're all like clean and, you know, trimmed down and, you know, I, I look presentable. Um, I think that's the least that you can do if, if this is what you say that you are. Um, if I'm a baker, you know, if I'm calling myself a baker, when I present, baked goods to somebody, the presentation should be high, right? Like, so they're packaged beautifully and they're wrapped beautifully. And, and I, I, I treat it with care so that when the person gets it, they're just like, Oh, wow. Um, so I, I think that, um, I haven't missed a beat with my self-care, but that's also not, I'm an Aquarius. I don't know that I would.
0: (laughs) I don't know if if I'd (laughs) <laughs> What'd you say? So I like, I don't know if I would ever miss myself. That's part of my being. I need that. Yeah.
1: Like, I don't, it's just, it's just who I am. That's how we were, I we were raised. Um, okay. My mom was always just like, you, you know, th- just take care of yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. So with that, we have one more question and it's very important um, for anyone, any woman who's looking to get into the fashion industry, specifically to start their own brand, like to start their own fashion line and actually learn how to design pieces what is the biggest piece of advice not like all the advice because we could go on for three four days with that. but what would be the biggest piece of advice you would give them to to get started like what's what's one thing that you, you either learned the hard way or you were told and it made all the difference to keep you from having to learn the hard way like what's one thing you would share to get them moving
1: I would say if she wants it to be her own brand and making her own pieces, get the education. whether that's you're teaching yourself how to do it or you go back to school and do it, don't skip the the knowledge part of it. Learn what you need to learn to have a solid product um, because you can build a brand once you have the product you're looking for, you know, um, you can build a brand around that, but you can't teach that quality. Um, you know, you kind of just have to, you kind of have to know that part and, and, and kind of learn that part, um, and give it the respect that it's due. Um, you, you don't, you don't just wake up overnight creating beautiful things. It takes time to learn how to do that. Um, so Right, Got so
0: education—you can't. There ain't no shortcuts on that part.
1: No, there really isn't, and and it doesn't have to be formal school. You know, like you were able to learn how to sew and make clothes without going to school, and you could make that a viable business should you choose to. So you
0: um, still but I had learned it though.
1: But you still had to learn it, right? Um, so regardless of where the education is coming from, don't skip out on that part and and learn the education and be patient, because you know sewing isn't always easy and making patterns isn't always easy, especially if it's something that's more complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, so just be patient with yourself and learn what you need to learn. And just know that, you know, everyone that you see out on Instagram with their business and their their things, they didn't do this overnight.
0: <laughs> right,
1: I said <laughs> that even, all
0: the time. You know, and even,
1: even as a professional, I, I still have to go through sometimes two and three samples before I get the right one. Mm-hmm. Um it doesn't happen right away all the time for different right. reasons. So um I would say just learn what you need to learn.
0: Yeah. I agree. And then like never
1: stop learning.
0: That's a big one. That's, That's really important. One. Like you should never be comfortable enough to where you're like, oh I know it all now. It's like no no I'm sitting here right now with a textbook. I don't know if it'll show. <laughs> been in the game 16 years and i'm still got textbooks in my face like oh man yeah. but the thing about being self-taught is like when you go to school they tell you what the best books are they tell you what the textbooks are they tell you where to find the knowledge if you're learning on your own you got to find this stuff out so some of the like that i've been doing this about 16 years some of the stuff i just learned in the past two three years that some people have known forever but it's because i had to find the books i had to find the information i didn't know it was available and then it's like oh this would have made my life so much easier five, six years ago. Like, man, I wish I knew about this. You know,
1: the great thing about the time that we're in right now is just access to information. Yeah. And you, you raise a valid point. The, The one thing that I learned with my two bachelor's degrees is how to teach myself and where to find information. Um, and, you know, now that there's Google and there's, there's YouTube, you can Google any question that you have, like literally the best book for pattern making, right? And suggestions will pop up. And mm-hmm. that's always a great place to start if you're gonna take it the let me teach myself route. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd say too, especially like to your core question, if someone wants to get into this, don't neglect like Joanne's Fabric has sewing classes, you know what I mean? Um, and there's a lot of like pattern blogs out there where you can learn how to make patterns from bloggers who are like into crafting and into sewing Um, and a lot of them have like courses where they they teach this so the information is out there if you want to find it um, and if you're really serious about doing it and just because that's how someone learns doesn't take away from their skill set any less, right? right? Because right. The, all it is is the how-to. It doesn't give you the, the, the idea of the garment, right? They're just teaching you how to sew. So the vision that you have, that's all you. And the, the way that you think whatever dress should look like and the way you design it and the way that you create it, that's all on you. Um, they just teach you how to sew it.
0: Yep. I am. I'm with you. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Like, I love it. (laughs) So with that, I just want to say thank you so much. Thank you so much for, for being a guest and talking with me today. Um, you could have, you could have seen anybody else, but you signed up to talk to me and I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, i'll tell somebody else this. i feel a connection like i feel like i just met you like two seconds ago but i feel like i know you like we, should, we have yeah. to talk we have to talk um but thank you so much for taking this time out to to share your knowledge um to share your brand to share your experience um and i look forward to speaking with you again very soon i have a couple panels coming up um that I wanna do, and I have one in particular that I think you would fit perfectly into. So we're gonna talk about that after we stop the recording. Um, yes. So where can people find you Sorry. so they can give you their money?
1: Yes, um, <laughs> you can shop on my website, www.nickhill.com N-I-C-H-Y-L.com. Also on Instagram, at Nick Hill Clothing. Um, I'm new to Clubhouse. Um, ish, new ish, um, but I'm on Clubhouse for anybody that's on Clubhouse, Um, and I'm at Nick Hill on Clubhouse, and on Clubhouse, I do a really cool thing where every Monday and Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern time, I do a chat, um, and my chat is called Exposed, Behind the Scenes of Building a Brand, and I interview different people about various topics that go into building a brand, Um, So tonight, actually, I'm talking to um, a business friend of mine who is an attorney, and she'll be talking about trademarking and branding. Um, So I I, I add value to small businesses and founders um, that way. So anyone who has small business questions or looking for how-tos can um, find me and talk to me literally directly um, that way. Yeah, and those are probably the most common ways to get in touch with me. NickHill.com, at NickHillClothing on Instagram, or at NickHill on uh, Clubhouse.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the F the Glitter podcast. I'm your host, Ashley of A. Louise Creative where we shine the spotlight on women of color in the industry of graphic design, brand design, marketing strategy, and brand strategy. A special thanks to my guests for joining us today, and we'll be here next week for our next episode of F the Glitter. You can find us on your favorite podcast broadcast station, iTunes, Spotify, Google Cast, and others. We look forward to seeing you next week.